So welcome to the same old Wombles, uh, slightly later this week. And because my brother isn't here, I can tell you exactly what episode number we're on. It's series two, episode 17, Matt. So next week, if you're hosting, it's episode 18 next week, Matt. Okay, 18, 17 this week. Uh, tonight, I'm joined, and it is tonight because we're recording this late on Friday because we've got nothing better to do in our lives apart from speak to you, our one listener. Joining me tonight are the fine Alex folks and the brilliant Adam Proctor, and we'll be talking about all things wonderful at AFC Wimbledon, talking about whether the EFL trophy is worth anything. Clearly, it's not. Um, and whether uh, what else we think about the fantastic 5-0 win, for which uh, I unfortunately could make a long conversation, long reason why I can't, but we won't go into that. Uh, and all other things like that. So that's it. Welcome to the same old Wombles. No one doubts the way you feel. No, your passion's very real. I must say we're all impressed. The way the fans approach this test. The days have gone when football clubs live and fly just on fans' love. Davis isn't just a game. And tough decisions must be made. Evening. How are we all doing? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we're not. that's a loaded question. Uh, I've got health issues, but... We'll not talk about that. I am planning to be there for the game, uh, which I think when Adam finally puts this out, could well be either tomorrow or uh, later today when you're listening. So uh, hopefully that I really, really want to know what people made. I I was out of hospital on Monday night and I managed to watch it live on telly, whereas my daughter was there with a whole bunch of her friends uh, having a whale of the time in, in the South Stand, which she, does, she now likes to go to because uh, she... She's too um too uh, posh to sit with her friends and family from way back, which you know, I think is is disgusting behaviour. But so I want you all to tell me all about the joys of Ramsgate and what it was like because it looks we look just like we could score for fun, uh, and that's kind of how it was what it was like. But I just want to know what you guys thought about it, and also look quite packed. So I was surprised by that as well. So because it's live on telly and it's Ramsgate, so. Alex, Adam, tell me all about it. Well, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I was watching it on ITV as well because I originally thought I was going to go and then decided that I wasn't going to go, um, which is kind of, again, it, you know, one of the things we say, how's everyone going? I, I kind of wish I'd went <laughs> because I think as one of, one of the things I was thinking about before we recorded this podcast was Friday night. I've already had a beer. Um, was that, you know, football for for me is a way of sort of switching off and just enjoying myself. We all, all of us have kind of hectic lives and hectic uh, work schedules. And um, so I obviously, I managed to watch it on TV and thought, man, I want to, I, I wish I was there because it was kind of like one of those, you know, it's those moments where you kind of really, in, it was an enjoyable game. And much like this podcast, which is what I want it to be, is just an enjoyable chat about how interesting Wimbledon is for us. So yeah, I wasn't there, but I watched the, the only thing I'm going to say before Alex, who was there, talks about it, uh, and I can talk a bit, bit about what I saw, was um, the build-up. The, <laughs> the ITV build-up was all about Ramsgate. It was it was properly biased, as far as I could tell. Obviously, I mean, Hayden the Womble seemed to get a little bit of uh, dancing action with some of the uh, presenters, and there was obviously some uh, some of the FA Cup stuff that was kind of shown, but... The build-up predominantly was like ITV just talking about Ramsgate, which I totally understand, um, but they didn't give enough nods to our our story. I thought on the on the build-up, which was a bit of a shame. But hey, we were on TV, and oh, and the other last thing I say, and then Alex will tell us what it was like to be there, was the um, normal the where we sit and where the camera for I follow is is always on the on the on the main stand, but for ITV it was on the other side. So that that side from parts of the game, I was quite confused as to what bit of the pitch I was looking at. So yeah, but that's not normal for me to not be confused. That's completely normal. So Alex, yeah, you were there. <laughs> Adam, Adam, that just shows you as being an eye follow junkie. <laughs> I I just haven't really watched this an eye follow because I kind of like to either be there or you know I might follow. I'll be off doing some other stuff. But like being there is is the be one end all. And I think on that, Adam and me. We need to shut up for a bit and let Alex just <laughs> take us back to Monday night and tell us all about it. And it was fabulous. It was brilliant. It wasn't, if I'm being absolutely honest, it wasn't quite the sensation of the Notts County game uh, because that was a league game which uh, is always going to be more important against a team that we, I initially thought we would never 
never beat. It was a fan- that was a brilliant performance, and it had everything, um, even with the two goals conceded. This one, look, you know, for all that we have said, and I said beforehand that you respect Ramsgate, they are in the second round of the cup for a reason. Um, and you can't take it easy. Yeah, this turned into a walk in the park. I don't want to do them down because, you know, they 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 had deserved their place there. They brought some very loud and very good-natured fans. Uh, fair play to them. But on the night, they were just not in the races. We weren't quite scoring for fun, but it was it was pretty obvious very early on um, that we were going to we were going to walk it. Um I say this as somebody who, when everybody said, oh, it's a potential banana skin, said, no, we're going to win 5-0. Uh, look what happened. We won 5-0. Um, yeah, you can't fault any any of our players on the pitch. They behaved themselves properly. They showed respect to the opposition, but they took every chance to have a really professional go at it. Um, win 5-0, which is a, you know, a tonking, but it's not, it's not doing Ramsgate. Uh, a disservice it's not embarrassing them hugely um yeah i don't think you know i don't think you can say a lot more other than that you know we went into it with our strongest overall squad the 18 players named were the 18 strongest players we could have named i think um we made two changes um we had ogandir and, and bila swapped over and tilly was rested uh, in favour of Nerfville. Um, and ITV, I know, were saying, oh, you're resting your top scorer. Um, uh, you know, I know Tilly scored a few goals, but I would have been pushed to say that he was our top scorer still uh, this far into the league. But, you know, he, he, Johnny made clear that that was a squad rotation thing. He was on the bench if needed, uh, but in the end, we didn't need him. You know, we, we did an absolutely top-notch professional job um, we didn't assume it was going to be a win. We probably could have won two, two, one, three, one, and played a uh, a lot more of the, the reserves, but we didn't do that. And I think that was the right decision to make, even with fixture congestion, uh, simply because I think it it gives everybody confidence. Ali, of course, was brilliant. No, sorry, any scouts listening? Ali was shit. You don't want him in January. He's a terrible player. You've got to give him at least two more years with us to mature. Uh, no, he was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic. Nerville scored a goal. That was brilliant. Um, the whole squad, I, I, you know, 1-11 to 11 or whatever numbers we play in these days, uh, were really good. And, and, and you can't fault it. The atmosphere, we'd sold a load of tickets. Ramsgate did their bit. We, we, it, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Having the cameras there, I agree completely with Adam. Having the, the main camera on the far side. One thing that occurred to us was that because we don't have electronic advertising hoardings on the main stand, um, it would have appeared more like an old-fashioned ground. Plus, you get the the better view of the full main stand. Um, so it probably had that better atmosphere. Um, ITV were there. I obviously didn't watch much of the coverage because I was watching the game live. Uh, but, you know, come and have a go for Joby Machinoff was one of the summarisers. Um, it was great to see him. Um, Hayden had a bit of a laugh it was all good fun um, the only downside, and I will say it's a downside even though it was vaguely amusing at the time was the pitch invader a Ramsgate fan, or at least somebody from the Ramsgate end ran the length of the field um, we had and I don't want to do the guy a disservice because he did his job in the end very well uh, a steward who probably wouldn't win the 100 metres uh, at the Olympics um, waddling down the pitch and the fan or the person, the pitch invader was giving it large in front of the south stand, standing there with two police officers about two metres away behind the barrier just ignoring him or just not doing anything and as the steward was coming up and getting closer and closer and closer and this was slow motion pretty much as he was getting closer and closer and closer the south stand were like and everybody assumed that the fan would take heed of this and just sidestep him at the last moment for a comedy moment, but he didn't. And the steward grabbed him, at which point the police came onto the pitch with absolute um, full force. And whereas the steward had grabbed the fan, the police just took him down 
with maximum vengeance, cuffed him and led him off the pitch, which point I think he lost his shoe as well. I mean, I hope we don't get fined for that. I don't think our stewards did, a, with the exception of the guy who actually got him, I don't think our stewards did a brilliant job. I certainly don't think the police did a brilliant job. Um, you know, it's unfortunate when that sort of thing happens. The guy needs to be banned from football for three years or whatever, um, because you don't do that sort of thing. He didn't endanger a player directly, but it's still not good. But I hope that neither us nor Ramsgate gets too much of a fine for that. That was the only downside of what was a brilliant night. Um, absolutely fantastic. Can we have it again, please, for Ipswich? Oh, 5 nil against Ipswich would be more than perfect. No, I mean, obviously, we, we didn't. We saw there was a gap in, they, you know, obviously none of the cameras showed the, the pitch invasion. I kind of guessed something had happened. So I kind of thought, what is going on? Because they were just sort of pointing it in, in the wrong direction. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, I mean, Terry Gibson was obviously one of the commentators for the match on ITV. And he was saying that he'd been, you know, prepped in advance that he would probably like Al Hamadi for the game. And yeah, he... He was unfortunately for us singing Al Hamadi's praises throughout the throughout the whole of the the televised part of it, which you know was obviously well deserved, but of course puts us in the the January window f- fear, which is a bit frustrating. So let's talk a bit about that because one of the things that we we were like for those who don't know, we have a wonderful. It's not all kind of completely made up on the hoof. Mostly it is this wonderful podcast. But there are some ideas that fly around a bit beforehand about things we want to talk about. And the the, uh, transfer window was one. And one of the things that was mentioned on that was, obviously I was on the board when Ollie Palmer was sold um, and kind of how much we were involved in that and what what kind of went on with the Don's Trust board. I wasn't on the PLC. Very important to get the difference. Um, the board were quite adamant at the time that we couldn't sell Ollie Palmer unless we had a like-for-like replacement coming in, um, you know, an actual forward. And that was something. Um, for the other thing, for any Don's Trust board member, um, and everybody probably knows one or two, it's you, you're kind of sworn to secrets in a whole load of things. And this this wonderful motley bunch that are on this podcast must have played me uh, throughout the entire time we've been on the Don's Trust board trying to tell them all sorts of stuff. And the amount of times I must have just said, look, no comment, I can't say anything. Uh, when actually I couldn't, it was all the time. And with looking back on Ollie Palmer, we were like kind of knowing he was probably going to go. But our advice to the PLC was you do not sell the player unless we had a like-for-like replacement already secured. So you don't kind of go through that. So the whole kind of idea that we'd let him go the DL, the DTB were pro letting him go beforehand is is nonsense. We were totally not. Um, we wanted him to stay, and we wanted uh, a, a proper striker replacement to come in with a proven thing. And we ended up buying. I think we bought a left back or something. That was not a decision. I can't remember what it was, but it definitely wasn't a forward. Um, and that was not a decision that that we took or were we were we were definitely not in favour of that. So. That's kind of where where the pressure is. So you know, for all the people, the DTB, if we do end up selling Hamadi uh, uh, in the January transfer window, the DTB won't have had a chance. They might they might have been able to express their opinion and their advice, but it won't have been a situation where um, you know we can actually uh, of made you know I've said no, you can't sell him. It will be, it will go to rightly so the executive board, um, but I do want to say that the DTB were not in favour of flogging Palmer without a replacement already secured. Um, so that... that yeah, I was going to say, I think it's probably pretty obvious that DTB won't, probably won't be in favour of selling al uh, you know, but that's not their role. You know, they might be able to say that and the, the, the members on the PLC can put forward the position. But um, one of the things that obviously Matt decided to sort of give some New Year's... Um, I don't know, resolutions and things that we would do. And he said we'd look at the accounts, which, of course, I haven't looked at any of the accounts. Uh, none of us have. So, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I would guess the only reason that we would sell would be down to a financial windfall that makes it more, you know, with the fact, you know. But, I mean, we've talked about this before on the pod. It's like, the, the, is is he going to be worth more in the summer? Probably, even if... 
we have a dip of performance, etc. You know, he's got a month away or whatever in the um, whichever the whatever cup that, that Iraq are involved with. Um, so, now, what I think will happen, what I think will happen, is that um, the January transfer window is also the panic window, right? So. You know, there will be clubs out there who will be looking, going, well, we need to do, we need an extra player to bring in this extra, you know, extra push or whatever. And I think, uh, sadly, he's one of those players that I think will probably be in an awful lot of people's lists. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's the goals he scores, it's the, the creativity and the, the chaos he causes in the box. And, you know, that's the difference that I, I see with him. And, I, I, you know, he's massively valuable for us. But... I could see if we get any bid over one and a half million. Um, I can't see us turning that down for a League Two player. Um, uh, I would imagine that's going to be pretty much where it's at. Um, Jack Curry, people talk about whether we'd sell Jack Curry. I don't think Jack Curry's forms at the level that would be one that would see him go. I mean, he was, you know, I mean, there were bids in at 750,000 for Jack Curry um, before. And I kind of think that we'd be. Um, we're not going to get that for him now. I'd be surprised. So I think Jack Curry will probably stay, but I I would be surprised if we kept Al Hamadi. To be honest, I think um, I think that the bids will be too high because uh, I just think there'll be too many people panic buying. I, I hope <laughs> it's not the case. I hope he gets to keep him because I think he's quality and I love watching him play. But I I'd just be very surprised if if a, a, a significant club doesn't come in for him. I'm what a horrible, I, gloomy thing that is. Sorry, and Merry Christmas, one and all. <laughs> I we've discussed this before, and I would love for the club. And I understand the bit what Niles just said about it being the PLC rather than the DTB that makes this decision. I would love for the club to say that Ali is in a slightly different position from where Palmer was, because. Ali is a very young player still. He's 21, 22. Um, yes, he's an international, but with the greatest respect to Iraq, they're not a top-tier team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they are... He is an incredibly gifted player who came to us last year, clearly not match fit, but took a few games to, to show what he was worth. Um, I think even almost as much as as Ali himself, the person who deserves credit for his performances, is Craig Pope for having spotted him uh, and that whole scouting and football operations bit for having put it found him. Let's remember, although Craig Pope, I think, is a brilliant person to have, nobody, not even him, can produce 100% winners. Not every punt that he takes is going to be a winning punt. And that's fine. We've got to, you know, that's football. So, Having a ready-made replacement, you worry that they're not going to be as good as Alhamdi. Of course, you know if we could pick up another Ali Alhamdi for two hundred and fifty k, then you know, fine, we'll take the one and a half million or whatever might be offered. But I would like us to take a different view because I think we still have the potential this season to go up, probably meaning a quali- playoff qualification. Are we serious about doing that? I think that now is the time then that we've just about got the squad together that we can make that run. And as with anything League Two, you get to the summer and you break everything down and you rebuild again. And you're, it, it's sort of you know luck as to whether you've managed to get that fit. And I think we've got that fit at the moment. Yes, I'd like us to improve the squad in January. We need a couple more strikers even if Ali's staying, we need a couple more strikers because Ali's going to be away for a month at the Asia Cup. And we seem to be short of a number nine, uh, a second number nine. We have um, various places within the squad that we could do with strengthening. So yes, I think we want to strengthen in, in January as much as we can afford. Are we always going to be a selling club? Yes, we are. But I don't think that the financial pressure is there for us to sell in January rather than in the summer. And so I'd like to keep Ali through January. Um, I think if we don't go up, I think it's reasonable to say we'll let him go in the summer and I think we'll get a bid of 
much the same as we might get in January. But I think we need we owe it to the fans and we owe it to the club. If we're going to be a club that wants to get back into League One and then ultimately to progress to Championship and who knows after that, um, we owe it to actually give it a whirl. And I think this year is the year that we are in a position with our squad and a position in the table at the moment and our, our feeling generally about the club that we ought to be giving it a whirl. And that relies on keeping our star player. Um, now, two things to say to that. The first is that doesn't mean we can't sell other players. If somebody did come in with a bid for three quarters of a million, a million for Jack Curry. Yeah, I could see that. He also is a young player and I'd love to keep him, but I think he's slightly in a different position from Ali. He's not a totemic part of our team at the moment. I think he does a really good job. He's not on flying form at the moment, but you know, if, if, if we need to bring in money and we get a decent offer for him, so be it. The other thing to say is that I'm, I don't know how to put this, but you know, it, there's always going to be limits. If somebody came in and offered, I don't know, five million for Ali, then yeah, sure, we take that. But something that's about what his value is, one and a half million or so on. No, I think actually we can afford to wait till the summer. Um, and I, I think, yeah, we owe it to the fans to give this give this season a proper go rather than saying, OK, we're safe from any possibility of relegation now. Let's just coast to the end of the season and do it all again next year. I, I, you know, I think we're, we need to be more ambitious than that every so often. If it's really not going to work, if we were lower mid-table at the moment, then so be it. But we're not. We we absolutely, although we owe it to our fans and to the club to be financially responsible, I don't think that there's that pressure between uh, January and the summer that means we have to sell right now. No, I, I, totally, I totally agree. I think... You know, in terms of you, if you take a longer term view, you know, we've got this friendly debt. Alhamdi's value is only going to go up. I can't see it going down between now and the summer, right? And and like you, like Alex has said, there's so much change in the summer on this sort of level. And, you know, what, 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 so what's the what? So what is the issue then? If someone comes in and says we want to pay one and a half million for Alhamdi, and we say no, we're not selling him, right? Um, and I don't know what the clauses are and how it, I don't know any of the details of those kind of things and where Al Hamadi gets the kind of extra you know, you know, say. But if we say no and, and, and we're allowed to say no, is Al Hamadi going to be that cheesed off? I don't think so. Because like I've said on, the, on other pods, he's, he's really friendly. He's, he's really in the club. He gets it. And he's playing a great game of football. So, you know... Why would you switch all that up? Because, of course, you go to another club. doesn't mean you're suddenly going to be playing great football. You've got a whole new setup, all that kind of stuff. So I don't, his value isn't going to go down unless there's a clause that stops us from, from blocking it, which there might well be, I don't know. Um, then I think we should hang on to him. And I think actually it would do him lots of positivities because he'd be worth more. Sure, I can't see that changing. We might go up. Uh, you know, um, and I'm pleased that, that more than myself now on the podcast is is leaning towards the fact we might get into the playoffs. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, like, you know, look, I, I I kind of hope you guys are right. I'm just I'm just nervous about where we've been before. Um, again, I mean, I should stress that I I mean, Craig Cope's the one that will probably be involved in like the kind of final decisions and a lot of this. Um, yeah. I wasn't, Craig Coke wasn't in place when we were there. There was a very odd kind of like decision making body going about. The PLC would be kind of sign off, but like, you know, it was, it was an odd committee stuff going on. It was that that was going on at the time. So maybe Craig Coke might be a bit more doing that. And I think the other, other thing with Alhamdi, you know, if you look at where we've been with some of our other iconic strikers, you know, Joe Piggott, uh, Lyle Taylor, you know, I mean, how great has their career been? You know, Lyle Taylor's had a few bits, but not really. Didn't, hasn't, you know, where is he now? Uh, Joe Piggott, you know, you, there's, in a way, there is a good reason to stay with us. You know, there have not been that many players that have left us that have gone on and done gloriously wonderful things. Um, 
so I kind of think that we we've kind of still got um oh, there's there's this guy that plays for Arsenal, but uh, you know, apart from him, um uh, you know, other than that, uh, you know, I, I kind of think that he, he would be better. I'd love I'd love him to stay. I really would. And I, I think that would be a really good bonus. But I'm just a bit skeptical about it because I've I've sat in the boardrooms, I've had those conversations and I've seen the kind of dynamics that happen off can happen off the pitch. Um and I still quite I'm not quite sure. I've not been on the pod really since the whole Danny Macklin situation. Um uh, you know, what's what's actually happening now um at the club in terms of decision making and, and how that's all changed because it obviously has. So um I don't know how much you talked about. We've talked about Danny Macklin on this pod in the last couple of weeks because obviously that's that's like a real tragic situation. Yeah, we have. We've mentioned it. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because clearly the guy has um is having his own problems, but you know, we I think we wish him all the best that he he gets the help he needs and gets better as soon as possible. Um, you know, I don't think any of us were in all the rooms at any time. So we can't really say what happened from a Wimbledon point of view, but, you know, he's, he's no longer with, with the club. He's um, hopefully getting the help he needs. Um, And, you know, all we can do, I think is acknowledge that as he has done, that um, what he did at the club on that occasion was really wrong. um, And he's no longer with us and and he needs some help and he's getting it. So I think that's as much as we can say. You know, I totally agree with that, Alex. I mean, I I did exchange a couple of messages with him on the on the day. Um, so, you know, I kind of was a, aware that he I'm not gonna you don't know what, what he was doing or who was controlling his social media, but I did get a positive, I did get a response back from him um shortly after the uh, the police were issued that warning about him coming on missing. So um, you know, and it was a worrying time for that. But you know, uh, I think it's also really important to realise how important mental health is and to really realise the impact that a lot of things can have. And that's something I I think we should all be really uh, aware of um, what uh, the impact can be of social media. I mean, I I could probably think back to times where I probably said things I regret um, way before, right, from 10, 15 years ago or whatever. Um, You know, it's a learning curve, isn't it? That You kind of realise that stuff you say does have an impact. and, you know, I, I really wish Danny all the best. But we can move on to other things because I know we, uh, a lot of people would have been talking about that in, in recent times. Um, one of the other things uh, we've got to obviously think about is some of our games that we've got coming up. So we've obviously got um, stuff, you know, uh, Swindon, um, which are, uh, as, as, a, as another fair game club, I do know a bit about Swindon, but I won't go into it because, frankly, nobody really cares about the opposition we're playing. We're only really interested about us. And I, we used to have, when we used to have Mark Lewis on, he'd talk about the opposition. And I, we're a Wimbledon podcast, right? All I really care about is the starting 11 of Wimbledon. Whoever we play against, what's important is we beat them. That's it. You know, I, I'm aware they're not going to be playing in blue. Whoever's not playing in blue, I don't like on a Saturday afternoon. I've made it explicitly clear, right? I'm just going to go, as the CEO of Fair Game, everybody knows that come the 90 minutes or whatever it is, that whenever I'm playing any other team, I cannot be in the same space as an opposing fan, right? I just can't do it. And uh, I've had people from Swindon saying, oh, look, yeah, we're playing you. Let's go meet up. Maybe we can. Maybe I can get you in the director's box. I'm not doing that. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. When I was on the board, I hated it. Like anybody goes, oh, you can go to the board. It's really lovely. No, you have to be with the opposing directors. You have to be polite. You have to be nice. I'm a football fan, right? When it comes to it, I want us to beat Swindon. I don't have a nice pretty chitty chat going oh, oh I really like your left back no I don't like your left back your left back's played for the opposition I want him to lose that's that's the reality anyway I've gone on I've got, gone off on one as you guys know that I'm capable of um but yeah so next couple of games Swindon Crawley Alex um Swindon they're up there just above us in the table they've got had a mixed bunch of results recently they've been Accrington 4-3 I do like Accrington by the way um but yeah, uh, you know they're beatable. I mean, let's face it, we are in a heck of a run of form. Um, yeah, we scored five, five, and four recently. Uh, yeah, Gillingham away was a bit of a shame, but 
you know, we 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 suddenly turned it around to, yeah, I think possibly the last time that you were on the pod, Niall. We we discussed how do we make this fortress plough lane, and and we've done that. You know, we're doing our home form is really really good at the moment. So yeah, we can do this. We I I expect nothing more than a tough game and us to come out winners tomorrow today if you're listening on saturday or if you're listening after the game <coughs> excuse me if you're listening after the game then you know you can judge how how right or wrong i was probably wrong um yeah we got swindon we got salford away uh yeah whatever um uh, surprise it's not on tv with all their celeb fans but yeah um forget about the trophy game we'll come on to that later and then crawling away at the sort of the pre-Christmas fixture um, so it's, it's a run of games where I think we can Johnny I know has said that it's a really tough run of games and yes it is but actually this is a season defining run of games um, are we going to be a team that does better than last year but still bumbles around mid-table or are we seriously going to be a team in contention and to go back to the Alley story if we win-win-draw these next three games in whatever order it happens to be then I think we're a serious contender for the playoffs. If we lose a couple, then yeah, okay, we're, we've had a nice run and we can still hope for the season, but it's not going to be that serious. So yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a um, an entertaining part and hopefully we'll have lots of loud and vociferous fans who can be there, who can make sure we do our things. We don't appear to have too many or any big injury worries at the moment. Uh, those will no doubt come. So I don't see why we shouldn't perform as brilliantly as we has done recently. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, yes, it's a busy schedule. And I sort of, I joked on the, on our WhatsApp chat, you know, the, the excuses are coming out already. <laughs> the fact it's a busy schedule. But actually, everyone looks pretty fit. We've got the, we've got the like-for-like swaps on the bench that we can go for. I think if... I mean, I honestly think, you know, beyond Swindon, they're probably the toughest at this point. But, you know, we've got a game in hand. It, it's like a, if we can do a win-win-win for the next three games, we're laughing in terms of our position. And it doesn't, you know, whatever anyone else does around us, if we can just focus on what we're doing, I don't see why we can't do a win-win-win. Yes, it's going to be busy, but those they're all winnable games. So, it, yeah, I, I think hate, we've got I exciting hate listening December. to you all. I hate listening to you all because I am, I am of the football gods world. I've always been in the football <laughs> gods world and I, I hate predicting and talking about future matches. We're not predicting um, the scores, really we're do. predicting that Wimbledon wins, which is what we want anyway. Can I, right. well, <laughs> can I point out that I've I, still... I predicted 5-0 against uh, Ramsgate and I was right. So I'm on a winning streak at the moment. So, yeah, our 2-1 victory against Swindon is all down to me. <laughs> right, Thank right, you, no, football gods, come on, football gods. Yes, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just nervous about it. That's all. I don't want to kind of say either way. Let's go on to the trophy. Um, uh, just really? on a, on a, a, how pointless is it? This is the cut and shut trophy, yeah. The cut and shut trophy. The, the trophy where look, I mean. I'm going to take us off this straight away because I think we've already discussed this and I think it's utterly pointless. Uh, I might possibly go to the final or the semi-final if all the under-21 yes, teams we've, are yeah, we've, we have already knocked out by that. Yeah. But we are subject to certain rules for the trophy that we have to play a certain number of players who have been playing in the first team over the recent matches and so on. Now, I think that you look at the FA Cup at the moment... And the nonsensical way that some of the top teams um, view the FA Cup. And you look at the TV fixtures for the third round of the FA Cup and the domestic TV fixtures, you suddenly look at, you know, unless you're a premiership team, you haven't got looking, unless it's the Sunderland, Newcastle or Wigan Man U, but but two top EFL teams. Uh, but the... The non-league teams, the lower league teams haven't got a look in with the TV. It's suddenly all about, oh, can we show the big teams because we're not Sky and therefore we don't get to show these every single week. Um, and I think that there is a case to be made that says for the top teams and also therefore for the lower league teams, why don't you have the same rule that you impose on us 
for the EFL trophy, that you have to play your starting 11, your first tee choice 11. Um, you can't, you know, the TV broadcasters are paying to see shirt numbers 1 to 11, not shirt numbers 68 to 79. Um, it would do the broadcasters and the fans and the trophy a favour if in the FA Cup you said to all teams you have to play te- players who have been playing in your recent uh, league teams. Uh, I just think it would give credibility back to the trophy, even though I think that's a ridiculous idea in general because I think managers should have freedom. But if you do it for one trophy, you may as well do it for the other trophy. And while I'm on the subject, sorry, rant time. I can rant in a minute. While I'm on the subject to the FA Cup, um, Barnsley play an ineligible player and get kicked out of the FA Cup. Forest Green play an ineligible player and they have to replay their tie. And yeah, I know there's slightly different circumstances because Forest Green apparently thought they had the permission of the parent club to play them, but this wasn't registered with the FA. But the effect on the opposition is the same. They they played an ineligible player, but this just looks like, oh, FA double standards once again. One team gets kicked out, another team doesn't. You know, if I'm sure they won't because they're too nice to do this and they except they were in the wrong. But if Barnsley wanted to take the FA to court, and they would probably win. And this year's FA Cup would be just a complete shamozzle because the courts would be trying to replay first-round games at the time that the sixth round is taking place. So it's just, obviously, that's not going to happen. But I just think that there is a credibility lacking with the FA Cup and with the FA, but hey, what's new, um, that could be sorted out. Anyway, that's nothing to do with the cut and shut trophy. So, you know, I've gone off topic. Let me jump in on a rant because I'm going to pick up on your rant. Apart from the fact I love the fact that we've used the word smozzle or whatever you said, I've never heard before. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Another another addition to my uh, like really low vocab. But thank you, Alex. Um, on, on that, there's the new deal that the uh, Premier League and the EFL are doing with the TV deal. And that is just also about undermining the domestic trophies even more. So... What the Premier League are proposing is extra money for the EFL. Not necessarily a bad thing. I think the way it's distributed is wrong, but I've talked about it before. It's the calendar bit that they've got on as part of that deal. So the calendar deal of part of the Premier League deal is no replays in the FA Cup, right? So for lower league teams, that's a loss of revenue because the FA Cup still is a draw. So it's like, why the hell are you doing that? Um, it doesn't benefit anything. And then for the trophy... They want to have an extended group stage with more games for the under-21s, the Premier League under-21s. So it's like, actually, which don't sell out, they can be lost leaders, um, and we're we're risking our players. We're supposed to play our full-strength team. They're more likely to get injuries in nonsensical games that nobody cares about just to give these Premier League reserve players, youth players, a bit, a bit of extra thing. It's undermining, undermines the pyramid on two levels and that really pisses me off and it's so typical of some of the very short-minded attitudes that the Premier League take uh to the rest of the pyramid and you know not thinking holistically about the benefit of the game and that that's just really pissing me off because that's probably going to happen because clubs will just go oh I'll take the cash but like it undermines it and makes the FA Cup even more of a you know uh undermines the kind of you know we're, we when we won the FA Cup like the coverage began at nine o'clock in the morning. It was like you followed the players and the coach. It was like you've watched them have their tea. It was like that. And it was on both channels. It was like glorious. It was like the whole, everybody was focusing on the FA Cup. For those of you, a younger generation, and unfortunately we are called the same old Wombles and the old's in there for a reason. Um, for the younger generation, the, that magic of the FA Cup has never really been there. It's not been like the kind of dominant thing that you would have. When we were young, it was. When we won the FA Cup, it was a really significant thing. And now it feels like, you know, if we could, could we now on this pod name the last three winners of the FA Cup? No. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? We couldn't because it's not magical. Yeah, I could probably name all the teams that won the FA Cup in the, in the 80s. That's because you're young. Um, some of us can probably do the 70s, but. Um... I think the the other thing while we're talking about 
the FA Cup and AFC Wimbledon is obviously we're into the next round. That's brilliant. Uh, we're playing Ipswich, which I think is actually sort of, in one way, the best type of draw because, yeah, I'd love to be playing Arsenal away and get huge amounts of money, but no, we're going to lose. I'd love to be playing a home tie against a non-league club with an injury crisis. But, you know, if if you're playing in the FA Cup, you want to be playing. You want to be playing against a team from a higher division just to test yourself and and so on. Um, it hasn't been chosen for domestic TV because you know we're not Man U. Oh, how the BBC must have been our, uh, hoping for Man U versus Wrexham. That would have been their dream tie. Um, but we are playing Ipswich. It has been chosen for international TV broadcast. Woo! I don't know if we get a fee for this, but it does mean that the the tie's been moved to. Uh, midday on on the Saturday, which is a bit weird because um, a lot of the international broadcast is the states, so they're going to be watching it at seven o'clock. Excuse me, seven o'clock in the morning or six or five, depending on when you're where, where you're watching in the states. So that's a bit weird. Um, it just it's for the it's for the Asian Ipswich fans. Oh. That big Japanese contingent of Ipswich fans. That's what it is, clearly. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, it's great to be on TV, particularly if we get some money. I, I think it could still have been at three o'clock in the afternoon because, of course, there's no restriction on international broadcasts in that window. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can make the most of that. Um we get to we get to play a decent team. I'm I'm liking it. I'm just thinking it's a overall it's a shame that the domestic TV companies have done the FA Cup continue to do the FA Cup such a disservice. Um, that you know I'd love them to have picked us, but there are plenty of other teams. Maidstone, for example, I think deserve to be on domestic TV. Um, you know, Adam was saying earlier in the broadcast that watching ITV4 coverage of uh, of the game against Ramsgate. Uh, how they concentrated on Ramsgate and that's fair enough because they're the lower league team but we don't get our our moment in the spotlight our moment in the spotlight would be the game against Ipswich uh, where we're the lower league team um, and we don't get that and so I think the domestic TV services are doing the FA Cup and football a disservice and yeah of course us but so be it they've made their decision we'll just have to beat Ipswich get through to the fourth round and you know then they can pick us for the game when we draw Arsenal well this I mean no I mean I don't understand why the why the game's been moved it's so annoying I mean I want to go but now I'm like I'm not sure how like what train have I got to get you know I'm only, I'm only showing Southampton right so it's not a big deal but it's definitely going to have an impact um, so then I'm like okay well I just don't know why it's been moved. So I thought, okay, Ipswich, there's Tractor Boys, that's right, isn't it? That's their nickname, yeah? Okay, so from what I can tell, John Deere tractors are made in Italy. Well, there's like a one-hour difference, so I can't see how that's going to kind of help. I, you know, wh- why has the game been moved? I don't understand why it's been moved at all. It makes no sense. There's no police issue. Why not Why not just keep these games at 3 I, no, no, I have heard the amount of London teams that are at home have been drawn at home in the FA Cup. Could be the one of the reasons why they have oh, to so move. Oh, so what? Because they got to spread the because pol- they got to spread the police out. Yeah. Why do we get moved? Yeah, so you couldn't have all. You, you can't have all the London. That's because we're brilliant. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, you couldn't have say. No, I don't but sorry, no. Just are, to say, like, have... so, say there's all these London clubs that have been drawn at the same. That's fine. That makes sense, right? So the way so. Where you want the police is where there's going to be the biggest like kickoff, right? Like in terms of fans, so you want to shift the biggest number of fans who are going to be drinking the most amount of beers to an earlier kickoff. That would make logistical sense, wouldn't it? In my mind, I'm, I'm literally thinking on the fly here. So we've got the to smallest be fair, number. I've got to remember that Adam. There's also the politics of it, right? So moving us, easy moving. I don't know who else is at home, West Ham, to a 12.30 kickoff. I don't know, you know, could well be, that could be the reason. I'm, I'm assuming Alex is now checking the uh, the third round of the FA Cup to see who else is at home on that day. But it's just one of the reasons but for moving like, to, But one of the reasons to moving earlier is because they try and limit the amount of drinking 
that those fans can no, have, true. so the police true, can manage true. them but like, better. You know, who's who's likely to be? I'm just thinking of the politics behind the scenes. They're like, you know, are well, there people going for it? What? Let's. Let, I mean, looking at it, Crystal Palace are at home against Everton. Woo! Um, obviously, picked for TV, but that's been moved to the Thursday night. Um, Thursday, Brent- Thursday, Thursday. Yeah, Brentford and Fulham and Spurs are all at home. They're all taking place on the Friday night. Um, Brentford and Fulham are probably Fulham and Southampton and Spurs all at home. Yeah, all at home. Yeah, yeah. And then there's us, Millwall, um, QPR, uh, Watford, Chelsea. All take kicking off on Saturday. Um, us and Millwall are early. Everybody else is three o'clock, and then on the Actually, Sunday. That's why it makes sense. Yeah, and then you, couldn't, the now, you sun- couldn't have you couldn't have QPR and Chelsea and Millwall and us. No, that's all fair. being at that's home fair. at three o'clock. That's fair. And then Sunday you've got West Ham and Arsenal. Uh, one at two, one at four thirty. Um, so yeah, they've spread them around, and I get the policing issue, and I get the the fact that it just so happens that all the London teams have been drawn at home um, and that makes it a policing nightmare and so on. I just think it's a shame that we, we've we been caught up on this. Look, at the end of the day, it's 12.30 rather than um, 3 o'clock. It's a, it's a knock, it's a shame, but it's not the biggest issue. I don't think it's the biggest issue with the TV games. I don't think it's the biggest issue with the FA Cup this year. Um, it's just a slightly knocky issue for us as fans. Yeah, I mean, at least we're not Thursday night. I mean, that's just staff, but there you go. Um, yeah, that's true. At least we're not a Thursday night. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I just might have to get so, an early you know, train. Just don't want to get an early train. Poor Adam. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got first to... world problems for Adam. <laughs> yeah, I've got to try and get out of um, how I get um, fo- from football training into the ground in time. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll manage that. I'll, I might have to take Lyra to football. Anyway. <gasps> She, she goes occasionally. She has been. Anyway, um, I think we're, we're kind of wrapping up now. We've kind yeah. of gone much further and longer than because we're, we're obviously in a Friday night stuff. Uh, Adam and Alex have both been drinking while we've been having this pod, just to let you know that that's clearly why this conversation has gone a bit like all over the place. But No, I that's you say, being on it. That's you being on it. I've done a numbers quiz. I was going to do numbers for you. I could just randomly choose some numbers just for Adam. I might just do that. Um, Adam, right? <laughs> no. Uh, number five. Relevance of five. What? Do you, what? Five. Uh, Relevance of number five. Is, I don't know. I don't know, Niall. Why would I even mate, know? Mate, 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 We scored five against Ramsgate. We fought, scored five against Cheltenham in the first round of the Cup. Oh, uh, yeah, at least at least go with the easy answer. It might not be right, but it's a, it's a good answer. Five home wins on a bounce. Oh, there you go. There you go. So there were three fives. Three is the magic number. Three. That, is, that was the next question. That was the question for Ad, for Alex. What is the magic number? Three. He would have got it straight away. That yeah, was of course. the easy question. Yeah. But, okay, give me the toughie. All right. Uh, I'm thinking of a t- I had, did have a toughie. What is um, significant about the Watford 5-0 win? 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Uh, it's 24 yeah. years ago now. Um, yeah, we scored five goals and the shirt numbers that scored them were 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 in that order. And I can probably remember, I mean, it was Carl uh, Court, Jason Yule, John Hartson, and I'm struggling with the other two. Oh, Holdsworth must have scored. No, he wasn't playing then. Oh. Where's Ray Armfield when you need him? I saw the tw- I saw the post, but I um, I don't know how to find it any quicker than you guys. No, it's okay. <laughs> we can move on. So, Adam, your last last one. Right. Oh, um, no, there's not another on one. That same, on that same era, I've got loads. I could come back forever. Um, on that same era, what is the price differential on players' transfers between Cole Court and Jason Newell? 
What do you mean by price differential, like the amount of money? We sold them. We sold them. How much was the, what was the difference in price between Cole Cole and Jason Yule? And how the f- did that happen? Uh, half a million. Alex, do you know? I don't, but I've got the answer now to the previous question. <laughs> well, you answered the previous question in half. Yeah. Carl Court, Robbie Earl, John Hartson, Jason Yule, Marcus Gale. G-A-Y-L-E, Marcus Gale. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah so we the sold, answer's we the other sold, one. We sold Carl Court to Newcastle, um, and I think we got about seven million for him. That's correct. Um, Jason Yule. I suspect we got bobbins for him, um, which is a real shame because he was a far better player and obviously it turned out better for him as well. But Agreed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Uh, I believe Jason Yule was 4.5 million. Wow. And the reason was that apparently Kevin Keegan was a complete numpty and bought the wrong player. Is <laughs> <laughs> is is what the rumour has always been on that. Um, so obviously Jason Yule, as we all know, was a far better player to Cole Court. So apologies to Cole. Obviously, as we realise, you are our one listener. And, uh, you know, th- there you go. So that's that's my numbers for this week to end the fine Say My Wombles podcast. Uh, this will be out hopefully either in the next half an hour and therefore making it into Friday night, or it will be out very first thing Saturday morning. So for all of you going to the game, enjoy that. You will be able to catch uh, us fine trio along with uh, my brother who is absent today in the phoenix before the game if you want to have a proper go at us and criticize our fine judgments but we will see you all there and good luck to the wombles this has been the same old wombles a podcast series two episode 17 just to remind my brother and uh we'll see you all tomorrow Was born three, may still be me, and that's a magic number. That doesn't all-